What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. The JMAC News Show. Fearless. Honesty. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Jay McFarland. Fearless. Fearless. About the stories that really matter on KSL News Radio. I'm Kirk Jowers, and I am uh, back for our second hour. Had a great first hour with Jason Chaffetz and Mia Love, two former representatives from the state of Utah who've moved on to Fox News and CNN, writing books, doing some good things. I have been watching the developments uh, with Iran with a lot of trepidation. And so I have gone to uh, a great friend, Khosrow Semnani, who I'm grateful to have in studio with me today. He's an Iranian-American entrepreneur, community leader, and philanthropist based right here in Salt Lake City. Khosrow, thank you for joining me in studio today. Thank you for having me, Kirk. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh Cosro, uh, many people know Cosro as the owner of Trolley Square, and I was just there. You've done an amazing job revitalizing that. The, the stores, great ambiance. Uh, it's really a historic treasure that you have restored to Salt Lake City. Has, has that been a fun experience? It's been a great experience. Uh, I, as I was going to school many years ago here in Utah, in Salt Lake, uh, Trolley Square was a place I used to hang around and buy ice cream and different things. <laughs> And I've always had a special love for it, and uh, but it just uh, we're trying to bring this old lady back, and we're doing everything we can. So it's it's a wonderful place, and as you pointed out, it's coming back good and strong. It's it's amazing. Uh, many people also know you and your family as the founders of the Malaya Clinic, a free primary care clinic for people who cannot afford health care. Um, and if I uh, if I recollect uh, the last time we spoke, you saw uh, the Malaya Clinic saw over fifteen thousand patients last year. Yes, it's uh, it's a wonderful program, and uh, we're really honored to be able to you know do this. I mean, Utah is home, and uh, a friend of mine, uh, Bishop uh, Solis, once asked me. He said, "Why are you, why are we doing that?" I said, "Well, it's our turn to do this." Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to do that, and uh, it's our turn now. Well, I could spend I could spend the rest of the hour on either of those topics, but I I brought you in because you have been a mentor and a friend uh, over the last decade. And talking about Iran, you've published a number of uh, journal articles, including a couple through the Hinckley Institute of Politics, spoken at, of course, the Hinckley Institute, Yale, and so many other places about Iran. Published uh, some great op eds. Uh, including the Washington Post and a recent one in the Deseret News. I'm going to get into the issues of Iran, uh, the enriched uranium, in the next segment. For this, the last few minutes of this segment, you have one of the great American stories. Um, and you can disabuse me, but it's one of the most inspiring American success stories I know. You were born in 1947 in Iran, uh, studied English in England in 1966, so the year you left Iran, came to the United States with less than $100 in your pocket, uh, graduated from Westminster and then the University of Utah with a master's of engineering. You started some impressive companies and ventures, um, and it's enabled you to become one of Utah's great humanitarians. But I want to focus on what was Iran like 
1947 to 1966. What do you remember? Uh, in in uh, the period that you're referring to, those were the what are called as the golden ages of Iran. I mean, uh, Iran was moving very fast, and uh, uh, everything from economy to education to administration, uh, foreign relations, all of those were, uh, you know, becoming very much of a twentieth 20th, 20th century level, and. Uh, it didn't happen by itself. It was it was a really a, a tremendous push by the previous administration, Shah's and his father's regime. And but just as importantly, the cooperation that existed between Iranian people or Iranian government as well with United States. And the United States was heavily involved uh, from even 1906. United States was involved in Iran trying to uh, establish a relationship and uh, defending Iranian position in the world and even during the war and after the war, uh, communism was being pushed in from north by Russia and the United States helped to stop Russians of inf- infiltrating to Iran. And, and anyway, making a long story short, there was a great relationship between the two countries and during Eisenhower time. Uh, many people have forgotten. That that's, that's, that's important. I'm glad you're asking that question because I think it's important for people to understand and have a perspective of who Iran, Iranian people are, and do not judge them only by Mullah's regime. That's that's a problem. Well, I'm, I'm asking because I think so many of us um, really know only the post Argo <laughs> Iran. That, you know, it's a great a great movie. But 1979, um, you know, before 1979, Iran was one of America's great allies. Uh, certainly, there are some issues with the Shah's reign and. Uh, and some controversies, but as far as America goes, it was it was a very important stabilizing place uh, in the Middle East for the U.S. 1979, it all changed. We all saw the Ben Affleck movie Argo, and now Iran has become, uh, you know, it's been named all sorts of things by different presidents, one of the axis of evil and all sorts of other things, but it's so important, I think, for us to, to separate the the people from the regime, and that's what you have been so uh, energetic and strident about doing. I appreciate that you you just said exactly what it, what needs to be said or what needs to be understood, because uh, Iranian regime is not necessarily the representative of Iranian people or the way of their thinking or their wishes or aspiration. It's not. Iranian regime is a dictatorship uh, in the form of. Uh, that you know they call themselves a religious government, but they really they lack anything but religion or doing the right things is corrupt a very corrupt government uh, has been a disastrous experience for Iranian people and the Iranian economy has you know continuously uh, been uh, essentially being destroyed and today uh, Iranian has over 3% negative growth on annual basis. Their currency has dropped in the last 10 years by by factor of five, practically. And it just, mm-hmm. it's just one thing after another. But Iranian people, strangely enough and interestingly enough, Iranian people still believe in American people and their relationship. Uh, and uh, it, it just continues to be. And every chance that Iranian people get, whether in Iran or outside of Iran, have tried to profess that and try to 
promote that because you know they, they are Iranian people are peace loving people and they've never in the history Iran has attacked anybody except for this regime that causes all kind of problem for their own uh, reasons and for their own good and they and they need it they need crisis well, to survive and and I can't uh, and we will come right back after the break we need to take a quick break uh, but we'll come back to Iran enriching its uranium and what that means to the world to Iran to the United States thanks Khazro Sabnani for being with us today thank you Mac. Welcome back. We are still talking to Khosrow Semnani, Iranian-American entrepreneur, community leader, and philanthropist. I'm Kirk Jowers. And we had a great chat uh, with Khosrow about the Iran before Argo, the uh, Iran before 1979. Now we're into a new realm with Iran. Khosrow, stories have, have come out this week that Iran is enriching its uranium to levels that breached the 2015 nuclear agreement among world powers. My first question to you is, what did you think when President Obama signed the agreement? Were you optimistic? And what did you think when President Trump announced in his campaign and then made good on it that he would uh, fail to honor, that he would breach it? Well, I think if you look at the history of uh this agreement, uh, JCPOA, that we, we've, uh, we have today, and that's what we're talking about, is, is really, uh, it was somewhat of a basic in, an end to a squabble or to disagreement or even threats of war between the United States and Iran because of Iran's development of uh, or pursuing enrichment of uh, uranium and although they claim that is not for offensive or b- building a bomb, uh, but c- clearly they could have done that if they choose to, and they've changed. They could have changed the story. So there was a very much of a real threat of a, a conflict, military conflict between United States and Iran. And we actually published a paper to that effect with the help of Hinkley, Hinkley Institute at the University of Utah. And that was a very much of a worry to me personally. And at then, and of course for many people, both Iranian and Americans. Uh, the agreement JCPOA that went to effect on January 16th, uh, January of 2016, uh, as well, it was in, in, uh, actually in, in, in place at January 1st, 2016. It accomplished its goal. It reduced it the threat of war. It did accomplish its goal, and it put essentially a stop to Iran's uh, enriching more and more uranium. And they had reached the levels of twenty percent to thirty-five uranium. And so, at uh, that moment, you were happy with President Obama and having negotiated and signed it, or what were you thinking? Yes, I was happy because it partially uh, it accomplished what it needed to accomplish. That it reduced and, um, in fact, eliminated the immediate threat of war between the two countries. And in our in our report, we had established that. You know, in excess of between fifty to eighty thousand Iranian people could have be casualties if the uh, United States Army had attacked the four installation nuclear installation in Iran, mainly Natanz, Iraq, Boucher, and Esfahan. So, so it was a so it was a great it was a good thing at the moment. It de-escalated, kept the countries out of the war, um, and yet President Trump did away with it. And then in your uh, May 20th op-ed, your opening sentence was, 
President Trump does not want an Iran war. So how how have you how have you reacted to to President Obama's stance towards Iran and towards this agreement? Uh, diplomacy is not a one-time shot, as you, as you know. It's it's a continuous saga. It continues and it unfolds with time. And unfortunately, although it accomplished Iran uh, limiting Iran to enrich more and more uranium, but the regime of Iran continued to be involved and causing trouble and export terrorism and uh, uh, create havoc in Syria and Yemen and other places through their own uh, military influences and whatever that we can talk about that in so, different locations. So because of Iran's actions, you you don't have a problem with, with Trump backing away from that agreement and, and pursuing a, a different course of of diplomacy and, and, and politics and negotiation with Iran. In, in, in fact, when you really look at what is happening right now, I, I would, it, it would be my opinion that uh, we need to address that issue that Iran stop their adventurism in the region. But whether or not we want to do it through another threat of war or do we want to do, do it through a diplomacy? And here's the important thing. President Trump has an opportunity today that he can make his legacy, that he solves Iranian problem by distinguishing between Iranian people and Iranian regime and bringing democratic change in Iran through diplomacy and allowing Iranian people that they are hungry for that to accomplish that. In fact, President Trump said himself he prays for the day when Iranian people have the just and righteous government they deserve. And I'm quoting him. So yeah. I, I you think- also quoted in, in his op-ed uh, his speech that he gave to more than 50 Muslim nations in, in Saudi Arabia, where he said the Iranian, the Iranian regime's longest suffering victims are its own people. Iran has a rich history and culture, but the people of Iran have endured hardship and despair under their leaders' reckless pursuit of conflict and terror. Sounds like you could have written that speech for him, from that quote at least. Well, uh, we, we, <laughs> we are very much in support of that philosophy and that kind of a thinking, and we hope and we pray that President Trump is successful to bring the necessary change into Iranian uh, government that Iranian have, they deserve, and they have democracy once more and to be able to become a, a another member of the na- nation's community that... Uh, uh, they they don't ask for uh, terrorism or they don't create terrorism or they don't uh, have issues with the United States that the threat of war continues to hang over Iranian people's head. So there have been uh, some moments from 1979 until the present where there's been hope that Iran would be able to get the government they deserve or at least a less a less severe government than they have right now. I think 2009 was a moment where hope began to peak a little bit and was was eventually quashed out. Is there hope that this regime will be changed in in the near future? Is there is there some precipitating factor that that could help give them a a, a different government? Uh, anything Trump can do to to precipitate that? Where are we? If you look at since 1979 until now under different administration, American administrations, we have not had any other administration who has spoken about the Iranian people as well as the Trump administration has promoted 
democracy and possibility of a regime change. Although, although in the recent past, for reasons that the administration have decided to say so, they have not talked about regime change as much as they should, and they have not encouraged Iranian people to be able to make the change. That is very important for regime uh, for United States and Mr. Trump and his, his administration to articulate that, that they would support Iranian people for their quest for freedom. Well, Khosro, you continue to do great work on behalf of building ties between the American and Iranian people. I'm grateful to to talk to you today to kind of get a better idea of, of the current status between our two countries. Um, I was fortunate enough to attend the event you sponsored a few years back in Los Angeles that involved Iranian, American, and Canadian national wrestling teams, a chance to bring people together and enjoy each other as people instead of as political uh, warring entities. Um, I understand that your work of building bonds of friendship between our people has helped inspire a big volleyball tournament with Iran and a number of other countries in Chicago this week. Uh, it's exciting to see you uh, so engaged in, in trying to help these people, and um, I hope we can come back again sometime and talk about a, a new regime that uh, that I know you're working so hard to, to get. Thanks for being in the studio today, Cosro. Thank you for the opportunity, Kirk. I appreciate that. We will be back uh, again. If you want to chime in on any of today's topics, please text the Utah Community Credit Union text line 57500, or you can leave a voicemail at 801-575-7668. J-Mac. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com.